Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. It's the Golf Show with Brian Katrick. He's been the talk of the course today with his huge drives. And Ali Dean. I really am rugged with him. All right. It's early Sunday morning. The sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at 7. I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot. Though the bunkers look like beaches and the greens like parking lots. Oh, Lord. Big match coming up, fellas. Gonna be me and the caddy. What am I gonna do? Why don't you try him a little left? And why don't you try back up? Give me just a little room. Help me keep my head down. Save me from those double bogey blues. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You know, you don't deserve any credit hitting the ball with that swing of yours. Try to hit one with my swing. I'm catching on the ball, right? Moving my head. I'm laying it off. Well, that too. I'm pronating. When you're not suiting me, I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My God, my swing feels like an unfolded lawn chair. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. Save me from those double bogey blues. Happy Sunday morning to you. It's the golf show on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. And the team is all assembled. The team is not all together. <laughs> Derek Thomas on one side of the glass, Ollie Dean on the other side of the glass, and me. Brian Katrick, I'm on the other side of the state line working the, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour event this week, a special edition of of PGA Tour Live. Good morning, gentlemen. Derek, how are you? We'll check back with Derek. Ollie, oh, how I'm are sorry. you? I'm right here, BK. Hey, I was, I was, <laughs> I was doing stuff. I'm doing very well. Good morning. How are you? You know, I should have known better. The show starts, and Derek's got a bunch, because Derek's actually running the board for this show, too. So you got a lot of things to get organized. you got a whole broadcast day to get ready for. I'm no, I'm right here. Well. Right here. I, I know you are. Good Sunday morning to <laughs> you. Pushing a lot of buttons right there. Uh, Ali Dean, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am uh, I'm great. I am uh, I'm very good. I want to thank you personally, uh, Derek, as well, but what, the way you handled... Last Sunday morning, in what was an awful situation, it's obviously still an awful situation up at Pine Tree. Your uh, your composure, your compassion, and uh, just just the fact that you're you. You were uh, you were perfect last week, and I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And uh, obviously, there's no good news in this situation, um, but there are good deeds. Um, we mentioned that there were going to be some fundraisers. There's a GoFundMe page, which had a goal of raising half a million dollars for, for Gene's family. And uh, currently, as of this morning, they've raised $701,822. So thank you to everyone in the golf community that uh, you know made those donations. And uh, you can go to Gene Siller, GoFundMe, if you'd like to, to join in uh, helping his family out. But a uh, pretty awesome number that came through this morning when I looked it up. Yeah, that's uh, 
it's just it's just, it blows your mind and you you think that the golf community would rally like that but you never know and and here they are so good on everybody out there and you know thoughts and prayers obviously still out to the family of Gene Siller they uh, the authorities did catch the perpetrator they they have a suspect in custody they i believe the they have a strong feeling that that they have this one correct and that you know this is not this is not a mistake and i don't know there are a whole lot of folks that were waiting for that news you know they want to catch the guy and and i i it's very weird i don't i don't think i was on that list i it just didn't matter you know you want him to be caught obviously i, I don't want him to go free but that piece just wasn't in my equation, but it was in a lot of people's equations. And and you know what? And then when they did make the announcement, they caught him. I did feel better. So, and I think a lot of other people felt a little better about it also. So that's uh, the latest update. Uh, the services for Gene are going forward. All the announcements have been made. And uh, if, if you're interested, reach out, look it all out, look it all up, and uh, and we'll move on and. And we will not forget Gene. I know the the Georgia section, which we was he was a proud member, is is going to be doing stuff uh, that goes forward forever, and uh, the club clearly will as well. So Gene's memory will live on. It was just senseless and and shocking and uh, eye opening for all of us and sad, and we lost a good man. Well so, said. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's uh, in case you missed the epilogue, they they did they did catch the guy. So, uh, and I was thrilled that uh, again with the support, I was thrilled with the attention that this got. Uh, you know, our our little club there and and our our little city, our little golf community, got a lot of attention for a long time, and it was you know obviously it was terrible that this came up, but I think. Uh, I think one of the reasons for the support is folks understood there was a lot of support there and, and they wanted to jump in. So, yeah, I think the so there you go. The neat thing about when you went to the GoFundMe page was the distance that people were from this epicenter of the tragedy um, that felt impacted and, and felt a need to, to do something about it. I mean, people as far away as California, people that had no association with Gene or Pine Tree. Um, truly, the golf community came together to try and do what they could to ease the burden. And obviously, you know, the emotional burden is going to be there for a long, long time for his family. And, and as you said, our hearts and prayers continue to go out to them. Um, but it really made your heart feel good that the golf community at large, um, not even with a direct connection to Gene or Pine Tree, stepped in to try and do a, a positive thing in what is completely a negative situation. So good for golf. Yeah, good for golf. So it's uh, it's the week before a major championship, and and although not sure that anybody's going to be going to the major championship next week. Oh come on now! There's only I mean lately we've just had Matthew Wolf say he's not going, which isn't really surprising. Hideki feels like he's not going to be prepared enough, so he's not going. I mean, it's not like the Olympic list. I mean, people are going to the British Open. 9.02 this morning. That was six minutes ago. I just got another email from the RNA. Another player has withdrawn. <laughs> Which one? Uh, in this case, Bubba Watson. Oh, not no. Gone. 9.02 this morning. 
I was hoping for a not important name. That, that, that was a bigger name than I wanted to hear. Well, there's a, a bunch of them big names. Bubba Watson could clearly have won it. Hideki Matsuyama could have won it. Matthew Wolf, you didn't notice since he's come back, been playing pretty good. Um, he could have won it. Uh, it's not uh, both, both Sang Moon Bay, not Sang Moon Bay, uh, Sung J M and Siwoo Kim. Uh, they could have won it. They're not playing. The reason why Sang Moon Bay jumps to mind is that Sang Moon Bay has had to do the military service. It's mandatory for, for all Korean men, and that's why Sung J M and uh, Siwoo Kim have skipped it. If you win the Olympic gold medal, you don't have to do that. That gives you an exemption. So they pro you know, they prefer to choose uh, focus on the Olympics. Look, I get that. That makes sense. I certainly get but, that. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the stated reasons are exactly what you'd expect them to be for, for these sorts of things. But uh, we'll come back to this because by the time we get back to this in the next segment, there may be three or four more that pull out. <laughs> yeah, I did see uh, something interesting. Everyone's, I, I think, aware of the charter that the John Deere Classic has every year to to take players and their teams and what used to be their families over to the British Open directly following the John Deere tournament this weekend. Um, typically, I think on average they said they had 95 people on the charter. This year they only have 45. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it may be, that may be the number that the British government wanted to hear, that they wouldn't have as many people on that plane. I'm pretty sure that plane could hold several hundred yeah, I think, I think one of the challenges is the 10-day the quarantine for non-competitors or essential team members. So no one's family's going over because if you fly over after the John Deere, you're going to be quarantined for the entire tournament and then catch a ride back home. So I think that had a large part to do with the, the drop in some of the numbers. And logistically, you know, I mean, Ricky Fowler's come out. I mean, it's it's definitely a challenge with what the RNA and, and, uh, and England are doing for travel. Um, because of the COVID, so yeah, you, we may have more. We may have, we may have more. So here's what uh, here's what they're having to do. And by the way, this is what we're doing because of the Bubba Watson story came out two minutes after we decided what we were going to do <laughs> in the first segment. Hey, we're nothing if not flexible here. <laughs> we're <laughs> very flexible. So this is another player. I think we're up to five or six that have withdrawn. And you're right. This is not a mass exodus. This is not a uh, a, a protest situation with the British Open, and, and I, for the first time in a long time, feel bad for the RNA, okay? Uh, the RNA could have run, let, let's start at the beginning. The RNA could have run this tournament last year. Uh, they would have had to, they would have had to uh, probably pay some people off in order to do it. Uh, the situation was handled differently in England than it was here in this country. Uh, they could have moved moved the dates. They could have left the country. There were things they could have done. They chose not to. And one of the reasons why they chose not to, one of the reasons why it was going to be a big deal. It was going to be really hard, and it may not have been the event they want it to be. However, it still would have been better than no event, except for this little thing, this little matter of the insurance policy they had. They actually made more money on the British Open last year by not running it than they did had they run it especially had they run it with a bunch of COVID restrictions or no fans and no other additional sources of revenue. So they made a financial decision. Interestingly enough, they made a financial decision that the Masters didn't make. They made a financial decision that the PGA of America or the USGA didn't make. 
they all ran their major championships with lots of adjustments and at a financial deficit. The RNA didn't make that decision. They decided to take the insurance money and not play the tournament that everybody, lo- a lot of people love, and that is the British Open. That's fine. I probably would have made the same decision, but it's greedy and it's selfish, and they're not really to be applauded for it. Okay. To, to play devil's advocate here real fast, there are certain variables that the British Open was faced with that American major championships were not faced with, and that is the predominant nationality of the field um, was not international to the American major championships. The preponderance of the field in the British Open is international. So you not only have to deal with travel restrictions in your own country, but for every other country around the world. Um, you know, America was in a the position, as you mentioned, that we handled the virus differently. So not that I'm dispelling everything that you said, um, but I do feel like I need to defend the, the British Open and the RNA a little bit in the fact that, that their challenge was unique onto themselves as opposed to other majors that were played. Well, some of that is good information. Some of that's crap. Um, <laughs> so, so your part was the, crap. My part is good information. The, the important it's important to note that the U.S. Open has more countries represented and people from, from farther reaches of the world. It's the, interna- the U.S. Open is more international than the British Open every single year. Uh, they don't like to say that. But your, your point is saying you've got, they were, they were going to play in England. They are playing this week, this coming week. They're playing in England. So there would, be, there would have been 75 or 80, maybe even 100 American players in the U.S. Open. There's going to be 12 or 15 English players in the British Open. Everybody else is coming from outside of that country. Correct. So I get what I get what you're saying there. Here's what they're up against now. And this is just sad and this is what made me feel bad for the RNA. They took the money last year. They were greedy. You you love the British Open? Well they didn't care about you. They sold you out. They could have run their event. They didn't want to run their event. They took the money. They're going to try to run their event this year. Notice that they're going to try to run their event with 35,000 fans a day. Notice the big difference? What, what I, without getting political, here's what I don't understand. How come different bodies of government are treating the vaccine differently? Why does Congress look at it one way and Parliament look at it another way? Shouldn't, shouldn't the scientists be making that decision? What's the truth, damn it? You're, you're, I mean, that's... that's that's a rhetorical question, right? Yeah, th- th- it's not a rhetorical question because, I mean, that's we're, we're all human beings. The vaccine's reacting a certain way. They've got plenty of it over there. We're not talking about some of the farther reaches of the globe where they don't have it. We have states that don't agree, that are neighboring states on how to handle COVID-19. You, you expect right. Congress and Parliament to agree? Nobody, nobody's the, listening to the science. And which science are you going to listen to? That, right. So that's the problem. So what happens is... The restrictions for the players this year, this is what the players got hit with. Fans can show up. Now, you and I can't show up if you have to live there, but up to 35,000 fans a day are going to get to go in, and that's great for them because they're over there, they're doing their thing, and you've been watching the Euro finals, and nobody's wearing any masks, and they're sitting right next to each other, and they're having a big old time, and I'm glad to see that. That's what it's going to look like outside the ropes at the British Open. Unfortunately, inside the ropes, here's what it is. All accredited players, caddies, and player support teams, including family members, will be subject to strict inner bubble restrictions for the duration of the time at the championship. Must not mix with members of the general public in restaurants, supermarkets, or other public areas. 
No one outside the accommodation buddy group is permitted to visit others in self-catering or private accommodation. This would be seen as a breach of the COVID-19 protocols and could lead to withdrawal from the championship. You get four people. I'll sum it up for you. You get four. And now your four don't have to quarantine for 10 days, so that's nice. But you get four, and those four of you, get you stay together. You don't get to go visit anybody else's four. You stay together. You're in your house. You're at the golf course. That's it. Actually, you don't, I don't think you get to get a house. I think you have to stay in one of their approved accommodations. So they're locking you up for the week. And while most of us listening would still go play in a major championship if they put those restrictions on us, these guys that have played in a bunch of them don't want to deal with that. And so they're not. Yeah, and I think Ricky shared what he felt was a sort of hypocrisy for the 35,000 fans that were going to be there compared to the the restraints that were put on, on the players and their support groups. So I certainly understand it, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's more people that, that fall out. I think everybody's trying to figure this out, and it's certainly I've been critical, and, and I think it's easy to be critical. But sometimes the, the imagery just doesn't fit with what's trying to be accomplished. Um, I don't know if you watched any of the Stanley Cup final, but – Montreal had limited seating inside the stadium for all of their home games, but yet mm-hmm. they had this plaza outside where people are literally, there's like 10,000 people in the plaza right outside the stadium that are standing shoulder to shoulder, most not wearing masks, jumping up and down every time there's a goal. And so they shoot from this sort of half full cavernous arena to, you know, the shot outside of everybody celebrating together. So yeah, I understand the challenge that, that that sports is under to try and figure this out and to do the right thing and to not have liability and not get negative feedback. Um, but at the end of the day, the the hypocrisy is sort of showing through from pretty valuable images now, and I think that, uh, that that's part of the frustration of the players. And understandable. Yeah, I, think, I think that's very well said. Uh, one of the quotes from a player that chose to remain nameless says, quote, if someone on your plane tests positive on the way to the British and is sitting anywhere close to you, you're out. No questions asked, no matter if you're vaccinated. And I get why that's frustrating. If you did everything that you were told to do, and then another, another country says, no, that's not good enough. A lot of guys don't want to play because what's next? You're going to get over there and are you going to hear something else? And and who knows? So Bubba Watson, the latest, uh, he was actually deemed a close contact of someone and would have been put in a, all kinds of different protocols. And, uh, again, this is not what the PGA Tour was doing over here, which was the most lauded program in all of sports, where he could have gotten two tests within, you know, separated by 48 hours or 20, whatever it was, and and still been okay and gotten over there. Now, if you, if you have it, you don't want to go. But if you don't have it, why are you not going? Well, Now, here's that's a quick why. question. So the guy who hijacked the tee, the 10th tee at the Scottish Open, when uh, Rory yes. and John were trying to, to tee off, um, is that considered part of Rory or John's entourage now? Is, well, it, is that part of the four? I, it's very interesting. That event was in Scotland. That's a whole different set of regulations. 
and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they're going to – I don't know how different the rules are. I don't know how they're going to view him. We'll talk about him when we come back. Weird, scary, odd situation at the Scottish Open. They're playing golf everywhere right now. We've got a big golf tournament going on in this state. We've got – Big golf tournaments going on all over all over the world. You got that one next week, which is still going to be a big golf tournament, even though they keep losing people by the minute. We got a lot to talk about. It's the golf show on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. And now it's time for Who's Driving? Brought to you by Ray Judice. If you're facing DUI charges, you need a DUI lawyer who will step up to the T for you. Call Ray Cell at 404-964-4185 to schedule an appointment. Well, it was one of the strangest scenes we've ever seen. Rory McIlroy was getting ready to be driving. Tenth tee, second round, Scottish Open, up there uh, just a little north of Edinburgh. And a fan comes out of the out of the crowd, which there wasn't really wasn't much of a crowd. Walks up on the tenth tee, grabs the head cover off of Rory's driver. It didn't come off very easily. Then grabs a six iron out of the bag, walks over to the side of the tee, puts the head cover down as if he's going to hit it, puts the six iron down behind it, lines it up. Takes a couple of waggles, and then he is uh, talked down by the starter and leaves. Tries not to give up the head cover, but it was a strange scene. Rory actually shot uh, one under that day, and he, he parred the first few holes. He was, he was under par in his first nine holes that day, so it didn't really affect him as far as we could tell on a, in the score. But that was odd. That's who's driving. That guy. That's brought to you by Ray Judice. Ali Dean, that was a... I mean, I've, we have to have seen stranger things than that. However, that's on the list. Yeah, it's definitely on the list. And I think the reaction from both Rahm and, and McElroy have just dumbstruck no idea what is going on here. Not if it's a joke, if it's a spoof. And, and the fact that it took so long for anyone to kind of intercede um, made you a little uncomfortable. But uh, Rahm laughed it off. I think he had the greatest line. He said it was a... It was no surprise why he did what he did, smelling his breath, and uh, and then went to to point out the specific liquor was uh, vodka, I believe. John Ron felt that, uh, oh, okay. that the gentleman had imbibed um, entirely too much. But that's like, I mean, they were teeing off for the tournament off the 10th tee, right? So, I mean, that was relatively early in the day. I mean, I know it's light there until, like, midnight, but, I mean, it had to be relatively early to you be take that drugs, over-served. <laughs> Every day. I thought... The same thing. I, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm happy to hear that the guy was drunk. I wasn't sure if maybe he wasn't uh, 
uh, had some sort of special needs. I'm, I wasn't, you couldn't really tell. Um, but it was very early to be drunk. That was a morning tea time <laughs> in Scotland. And uh, so maybe it was just late. Maybe it stayed out all night. But the guy was well-dressed. He had on a vest with a logo on it that could very well have been, you know, it's a navy blue vest. It could have been a, you know, European tour logo on there. It could have been anything. So it's funny that the, the scene on the first tee of a professional golf event is, is a little busier than you would think. Now, the thing was, this was their first tee on Friday. But they do have people, you know, the Daryl survey people used to come around and poke around in the bags with the clipboard, and, and they'd remove a head cover and, and see what club is underneath that, and they'd pull the club halfway out to see what kind of shaft is on it and put it back in. Sometimes they need to get a look at the grips. It depends on what they're trying to count that week. And, uh, and so the players have just become accustomed to that. The person with the clipboard gets to poke around in their bag a little bit. They're not going to hit any shots. But, you know, they get to poke around, move some clubs around, do, they it, do whatever they got to do. They don't test the equipment. They just look at it. There's, <laughs> there's, no, <laughs> there's no testing. He, uh, all right, so now I mean, if, if you want to tell me it's a drunk guy, then that's good. We, we can make a lot more uh, light of this situation. Yeah, apparently he it was tried, a, a vodka drunk guy. He tried to get the head cover to stand up on its, you know, on, on its end so that the head, because Rory's head cover is a dog. It's a, what kind of dog is that, Molly? Oh, I don't know. Derek, what kind of dog is that? Look at Basset Hound. Now, okay, we're going. It's not Basset. It's, it's not a Basset Hound. But sure, it's a Basset Hound. <laughs> what's the dog that has the uh, the thing under his neck that carries the the hot chocolate? Well, it's not the, a Saint Bernard for crying out loud. It's not a Saint. It looks no. like a Saint Bernard. No, it's a Basset okay. Hound. Derek Thomas, your homework assignment right now: go look up Rory's head cover and tell me what kind of dog it oh, is. Oh, I'm on it. Pretty sure it we're ain't both a basset hound. Uh, it is. A, it is absolutely a Saint Bernard. Oh, according according to this, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, that's going to cost me a lunch. <laughs> Flash was a Saint Bernard. Leap into the vehicle. I'm sorry, Flash was a, ba- a basset hound. Leap into the vehicle, Flash. Flash, I'm getting tired. Columbo episodes. <laughs> I'm getting tired of doing your leaping for you, darling. Uh, <laughs> Flash was in the in the Duke's Hazard. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I thought it looked kind of like a Saint Bernard. I mean, it's not—you don't know what kind of—we we don't know what kind of dog it is. It, it could not also be a Saint Bernard, but it looks, whatever. So you're trying to get that head cover to stand up, and it doesn't really stand up. But then the guy was undaunted. But then when he comes back, uh, so I'll, I'll give you kudos. I'll give kudos to the starter. That starter just goes over to him, with hands in his pockets, very unassuming, and just starts talking to him. And the guy's standing there with a six iron at a dress. He's going to whack this golf, this this head cover. And the guy's just talking to him. And he just kind of talks him off the ledge. And sure enough, the guy walks back toward the bag. Harry Diamond, Rory's caddy, who has wisely positioned himself between Rory and this dude, grabs the six iron. But then the guy kind of shelters. He's got the, he's got the head cover in his left arm. And Harry's on his right, so he's kind of giving him the, the Heisman because he wants to keep the head cover. <laughs> yeah, of course. We probably yeah, had a feels, basset hound. I, I do up. have one question. He obviously <laughs> he, did, yeah. he obviously planned this out, but he didn't think you can just bring a golf ball in your pocket if you want a golf ball to hit. You don't have to hit, hit, hit a head cover or anything like that. I think I, I would have thought he would have been more prepared for this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of thought that went okay. into this pre-thought or, or during the, the actual event. Rom had a great quote. He said, 
I could tell he wasn't a golfer by his grip, but I thought he was going to happy Gilmore Rory's head cover down the fairway. Yeah, well, I'm glad they're having a good chuckle. It good on the starter for talking to him and talking him down. I don't know how he did that. Uh, and then I don't know if security showed up or not. Uh, Rom's caddy yelled for uh, a guy named Mike, and some dude in a red jacket and a backpack showed up and helped kind of escort this guy away and then a guy in a blue jacket with a backpack also showed up neither one of them looked security-esque but they were performing security duties yeah i think i think he got handed over to the authorities was the end of the article that i saw um but when i first saw it i thought that he was just going you know to show how well he could pull clubs maybe trying not to be bryson's new caddy um that's what i thought when i originally saw him walking towards the tee well, it's funny you bring that up, Ollie Dean, because uh, Bryson DeChambeau, last week, Rocket Mortgage Classic, defending champion. On Wednesday night, his caddy, Tim Tucker, the, the announcement comes that, that they have separated. It's Wednesday night. That's not. Now, they both insist that they talked this out and that, that the split was amicable. But the split is not amicable 10 hours before your tea time. Yeah, it's hard to address the timing of that when you try and say, you know, this is something that we've talked about for a while. We both have different interests. You know, you know we had this. We knew this was coming. We just weren't sure when. And, and then for it to come on the eve of, uh, you know, teeing off for a tournament that happens to be, you know, one of your sponsors is also the title sponsor of the tournament. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say that was, you know, pre-planned. Yeah. So and and. Player caddy relationship is special. It's also private. They can they can keep all that within themselves. We've seen Bryson have some on camera and on course blow ups where he's lost his temper. I happen to like Bryson, but a lot of people don't. And those things have not done anything to help his quote brand. Uh, but Tim Tucker has always been the sympathetic uh, character in this. Bryson wants to talk about air density and the discussions between he the, those two over any shot are on a different level than any other player caddy. I mean, there's there's information flowing back and forth that, that nobody else needs or wants, and there's very few other caddies that could even provide. So, you know, Tim Tucker worked harder than most of the other caddies out there. I don't know if he was compensated more. I don't believe that's why they, uh, they broke up. Tim says uh, he did come out and say, well, he's been trying to get a business going. He used to work at... Uh, abandoned dunes and he's going to build he's, he's running some sort of a shuttle business out there yeah called the loop i think um so I, the bottom line is this um the relationship ran its course i think both guys in the i believe it was golf magazines said the right things um i, I don't think there's any animosity between the two i think sometimes it's just time for a new face on the bag or you know pursue new opportunities and and you kind of move on. What I hate is that these stories from like Ian Rappaport, you know, come out that, you know, Bryson was disparaging his caddy, and that's why you know Brooks reacted the way he did. There's all this secondhand kind of nonsense out there. At the end of the day, I think you nailed it. You know, it is a private relationship, um, and certain things need to remain private. Um, certainly, some things have become public, but at the end of the day, there's been way too much assumption that you know Tim Tucker was abused by Bryson, and you know that. He was so incredibly difficult to work with. There, there's a lot of guys that would have stepped up to have Bryson's bag because at the end of the day, it may be difficult to work with, but there's a lot of money behind a guy that wins eight times on tour with a major championship. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, John asked me that question. Would you would you quit your job to caddy for Bryson? Yeah, I'll ask you that, Ollie. Uh, would you quit, would you quit your job to go caddy for Bryson? And I said yes. First of all, for two reasons. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't necessarily have to quit my job. <laughs> Because even though I'd have to step away for a moment, when I come back, I would have been the guy that caddied for Bryson for two days. Uh, And (laughs) secondly, he would never have me because I can't do what he needs done. I mean, I feel like I've caddied on every every tour there is out there. The PGA Tour, the PGA Tour champions, and the LPGA Tour. So that's not every tour, but that's a lot of them. Uh, I couldn't caddy for Bryson. He requires more math than anybody else. I need a guy that requires no math. Vari Mackay did her own math. I didn't have to add anything for her. Uh, she even wrote it all down. So I'm a bag toter, and Bryson needs more than a bag toter. Uh, Ollie, would you uh, would you leave a, a high-dollar job to go do this? No, I don't think I'd leave a high-dollar job to do it. But if I was a caddy on tour, there's probably a very short list of players that I would not if I had their bag, I wouldn't consider leaving and going to Bryson's bag, simply because the guy's got all kinds of potential to win a lot of tournaments, cash a lot of checks, and at the end of the day, it's about making money for you and your family. And Bryson's a horse that you know has the capability of making your bank account look pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean that's what you're in the business for. I mean the the, the ancillaries, the competition, and the thrills, and all that—that's one thing. But you're not volunteering, Derek Thomas. Would you? Uh, would you? You know, in theory, leave Dickie Broadcasting to go caddy for Bryson DeChambeau if he asked nicely. You got that <laughs> I think that was a yes. Yeah, you got that right. Uh, yeah, yeah so. I mean, of course I would. It'd be so much fun. That Being a caddy is probably the next best thing to being a professional golfer in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I would pay money to go out there and play with those guys. So if they were going to pay me money to hang out and carry Bryson's back, and uh, I'm not so bad at mental math, I think I could help help them out. I'm, I, can, I can do the, I can do the math part, and I can carry the bag. So and, and you, sure. and, and I think it would be a, a slight uh, a slight increase in pay from what I'm currently getting. So yeah, right. you're also uh, an exception. It wouldn't be the end of your career. You could come back. First of all, David Dickey loves golf. He plays the game. The Dickey family has always played the game. Uh, so they'd they'd welcome you back. And yeah, still and, keep and uh, with me on his bag. Saturday and Sunday are still going to be free for me. So yeah, it, it works. That's not that's, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, so Bryson is named a new caddy. He, the guy that he's going to have at the British Open is Brian Ziegler. Brian Ziegler is a teacher. He works with Chris Como out there in Dallas. He has worked with Bryson. So Yeah, apparently they, uh, he was the guy in the room yelling, Swing faster! Swing faster! Every time okay. Bryson was trying to gain distance. Well, there you go. So we may hear some so, of that on the tee of the British Open, which would be awesome. Swing faster! I, swing faster! <laughs> I Bryson like doesn't swing hard, hard enough most of the time, so. Could you imagine that? He steps to the tee. I don't know what the most strategic hole at Royal St. George's is, but uh, a hole that's got some complicated stuff to it. And instead of looking at the book and getting numbers, the guy's just like, oh, man, just bash it. Just hit it hard. Let's go. Swing faster. Get pumped up. Yeah, just getting all animated in his face. Is Bryson's big high drive not going to serve him as well at the British Open than it would at some of uh, more American courses, if you will? Uh, it's a good question, Derek Thomas. Uh, downwind, it'll be fine. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Uh, hitting it far. Bryson, that's, that's just one of the reasons why I like him, is that he's, he's taking on an impossible task. He wants to eliminate all the variables from this game, from the game of golf. You're trying to hit a round ball <laughs> with, with a piece of equipment that is ill-suited for the task, and you're trying to hit it into this tiny little hole, uh, and he's trying to eliminate all the variables he can. So I think that the British Open is going to drive him nuts, but he can hit it low if he wants to. He can hit it high if he wants to. He doesn't actually curve the ball much. So you want to hit the, you know, if you've got a crosswind, what about the crosswind holes? Well, a guy that plays a predominant shot shape is going to have more problems with the crosswind holes than a guy that doesn't. He does hit it remarkably straight for the ball speed that he's getting. Yeah. Now, I, in this case, I wouldn't want to be Brian Ziegler when he tells him they got a 26-mile-an-hour crosswind out of the northeast. And so Bryson hits it three degrees out to the right, and it needed to be four degrees out to the right, <laughs> you know, because yeah. there's not enough wind or whatever, you know. That's the way... That's the way these things get that get diagnosed after the fact. You missed the fairway. It's not because you blocked it a little bit. It's because we were one degree off with our launch angle because the barometric pressure wasn't what we thought it was. And that doesn't make uh, sense. It's, it doesn't. But it, it hopefully it does to Brian Ziegler. More so than there. more than Tim Tucker. Well, I mean, I I honestly thought Tim Tucker was great at it. It seemed, yeah. it seemed you know? to be working pretty well. Yeah. Except on yeah, the that, back nine at the U.S. Open. We haven't talked about that with you uh, yet, BK. You haven't been here. Yeah, we talked uh, about that last week. That was well, bad, bad luck. Well, and that's... T- yeah, t- it was really bad luck for him there on that back nine. To Twitter's point, I think he was more talking about it. it's bad luck, the timing, that, that all the blow-ups came. I mean, he got the lead at nine. He made the turn with the lead. And then all of a sudden, the U.S. Open broke out for him. For everybody else, they had overcome some of that. They were still hanging around. Well, he hadn't really had that yet. Uh, but that, you know, that may have been to Twitter's point about about uh, Tim. One of the explanations he got, he gave. You know, he misses the fairway at 13. This is at Torrey Pines, and he said, and then he missed the fairway with the second shot. This is the par five. He winds up with two. No, he wound up with 187 yards for his third out of the right rough, and that's the ball that went up way over the green and rolled back down next to the uh, the 12-pack of beer. <laughs> if you remember, that's that was the shot. It rolled back down and leaned on a 12-pack. Yeah, I, believe, I believe it was Michelob Ultra. Uh, actually, I, I remember because I remember uh, Stella Artois probably enjoyed it. It was Stella Artois, actually. St- Stella Artois. It's better for my so, story that it was Michelob Ultra. Yeah, I guess so. It was, because that, that's for, the Brooks, Brooks connection. Yeah. Yes. So the, but he said on the second shot, so he missed the fairway, he just missed the fairway. But he said on the this second shot, he goes, sucks. He goes, I got a bad line on my second shot. All right, this, the 13th hole at Torrey Pines, the fairway cut is laser straight. It is perfectly straight. Now, that does create some angle problems if you're off to the side, but he said, I got a bad line. You started in the right rough, you ended on the, in the right rough. Seems you like you didn't suck. hit it far enough. But to say I got a bad line, that is putting it on the caddy, and that turns into a double, and that pretty much ends the golf tournament right there. He had gone bogey, bogey, double through 11, 12, 13, game over. And to put anything from your caddy on that list, it's, it could, could have been offensive to the caddy, especially if he didn't give him a bad line. And it ain't hard to find the fairway at 13. And it's not hard to see the fairway at 13. It's very hard to find it. It's not hard to see the fairway at 13. 
So maybe that was it. I don't know. But Tim Tucker's gone. Brian Ziegler is in. Does he contend this week? Yeah, I think so. I disagree. Miscut. Okay. I'll take that bet. All right, we'll take a break. It's on. (laughs) Okay, we'll take a break. We've got a lot of scores to get to, and I'm sure there's something I missed. Ollie Dean's got a list of things that uh, he'll make sure that I didn't miss anything. Derek Thomas, Ollie Dean, Brian Catrick, it's the Golf Show on the Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Two of Atlanta's best golf experts right here on Atlanta's Golf Station. Now more of The Golf Show with Brian Katrick and Ali Dean on Atlanta's Sports Station, The Fan. All right, we're just about out of time here on the Golf Show on the Fan 680 and 93.7 FM. Uh, we've got scores from all around the world to get to. Ali Dean, are we missing something? I don't think so. Um, American okay. Century Championships going on this weekend, and Annika's top five. John Smoltz is leading going into the final round today. Hopefully John will hold on. Yeah, Annika is five shots behind Smoltz, or five points. Five they points, use the yeah. modified stable for scoring system. Nobody actually uses the Stableford scoring system. It's always modified. I don't know what Mr. Stableford did, but nobody liked it. They've well, always modified it. They liked the concept. <laughs> they just felt he missed yes. out on a few of the most important details. <laughs> I'm not sure what he came up with, but it's been modified. Vinny Del Negro is in second, and then Jack Wagner in third. But Smolty leads. Annika is in, uh, is in fourth. Uh, locally... Georgia State Amateur is going on uh, over at the uh, boy over at the Cherokee Town and Country Club. That's where they are. Uh, Matt Hughes uh, is six under par, leads by one. There was a tie for the lead when they started. Will Cash uh, Kalstorf and he bogeyed the first hole. They're playing. They got live scoring over at gsga.org. So if you want to follow along right there or go out and watch, have at it. Cherokee Town and Country Club is is just gore. Uh, the event that I'm working, Corn Ferry Tour event, TPC Colorado Championship at Heron Lakes. Friend of the show and frequent in-studio guest, Wade Binfield, was in the second-to-last group yesterday. Uh, faded a little bit down the stretch. He's going to start the day six shots back. He's tied for 36th. Uh, the leaders are Tyson Alexander and Taylor Moore. But I talked to Wade last night. This is the longest golf course that the PGA Tour has ever played a co-sanctioned event on, ever. How long is Seven, it? 7,991 wow. yards. Uh, the par 5 13th hole is the longest hole that the PGA Tour has ever played a co-sanctioned competition on. 790-something yards worth of a par 5. Now, you're, you're up in some elevation. Or there, yeah, up in some elevation, right? 
Yes, I mean, it's yeah. it's this place is actually uh, about twenty more twenty miles north of Denver. Okay. Uh, How about so Wade on uh, on Thursday? Drop the sixty five. Yes, good for Wade Benfield. Boom we love that dynamite. guy. Boom goes the dynamite. Sebastian Munoz leads the John Deere Classic. That's I, I just pushed the wrong button. That's not what I need. This uh, this event will send. Uh, the highest finisher that isn't eligible for the British Open over to the British Open unless that person doesn't want to go to the British Open, which could happen. Uh, Scottish Open is going on. Are they Are they, Are they? they still out there right now, or are they finished? I think they're still out there. I think they're still out there. Yeah, they got a four-way tie for the lead. Jack Sr., Justin Thomas, Thomas Dietrich, and Matthew Fitzpatrick are all 14 under par. Ooh, right That's now, I'm good. seeing M.W. Lee up there. He's got, uh, from what I'm seeing right now, he's at 16 under. You got 16 under? That's, that's I just just looked it up. The oh, beauty of live radio, about. folks. Why is why is my scoring so? I mean, far mine, mine could mine could be behind, but now right now I got M.W. Uh, Lee 16. Uh, is it Detry Detry? Thomas Detry Detry, yeah, at 15. As, as yeah. well, along with Justin Thomas and Ian Poulter, also at uh, 15. Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Just one back. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, Min Woo Lee, Min five Min. under today, and they are still playing. Plenty of golf left. I like Justin Thomas so. next week. That's a sneaky little pick for the British Open. That is a sneaky little pick. Guy that hasn't been putting at all, and all of a sudden this year he found a little something. That little low um, low uh, draw he hits off the uh, off the tee could come in handy. Yeah, the LPGA Tour playing. Uh, well, hang on. Let's let's do the U.S. Senior Open first. I believe Jim Furyk is winning, unless unless Derek has different scores. Yeah, Adam winning by four out in Omaha. Yeah, or leading by four, I should say, not winning by four. And NASA Hataoka leads uh, the LPGA's Marathon LPGA Classic presented by Dana. She's leads by six. So, uh, sad and scary situation on the LPGA Tour. Friend of the show, Jane Park. She and Pete, their little baby, Grace is in the hospital in Dallas. She's been having seizures. Uh, check out Jane on Twitter, the real Jane Park. She's been giving updates. They have a GoFundMe page. Uh, thoughts and prayers with the Park Godfrey family as well. So, Yeah, LPGA family wearing pink ribbons up at the marathon tournament. So yeah. everybody supporting Jane and Pete. Um, so, yeah, keep Jane and Pete in your thoughts. And unfortunately, Ollie, there we're is... Done. Podcastpark.com is your home for the fans' entire stable of original podcasts. If you're a true Atlanta sports fan, you need to stay connected to shows like Welcome to Madlanta, featuring Atlanta's rich history of sports legends. College football fans will love the Chuck Oliver Show podcast. Two hours of college football talk every day, all year. And baseball fans get to dive into Domino's archive of baseball legends on hardball. Subscribe to all these great shows and so many more anywhere you get your podcasts or stream them free 24-7 at thepodcastpark.com. Presented by Associated Credit Union. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. 
Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.